This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that is great at being patient, but not for too long. Here is the captain. Yeah, Captain Poopy Pants. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. This week, we are very happy to be featuring TDH, Double Alien Church, and who would dare to put those three words together? Well, that would be the creative beer creators over at Tired Hands Brewing Company. This is an imperial double I to the P to the A and a must try. Garage grade four and three quarter bottle caps out of five. And here's some friends that we would like to thank for helping us out. For this week's show, here we go. Cheers to Aaron in Chesapeake, Virginia. And a big We Like Your Jib to David in Orlando, Florida. Next up, here's a double cheers to Allie and Dan in St. Genevieve, Missouri. And a big cheers to Rachel F. in Ireland. Next up, we have a cheers to Crystal in Scottsdale, Arizona. And last but certainly not least, we have Dawn in Albany, Oregon. Everyone we just mentioned, they helped us fill up the fridge for this week's beer fun. And for that, we thank you. Yeah, B-W-E-R-U-N, Beer Run. Thanks for the support. Thanks for telling your friends about it. Thanks for sharing the show on social media. Much love to all you guys. And that is enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. On Tuesday, August 28th, 2018, the Grafton, New Hampshire Attorney General issued a press release announcing the Division of Public Protection, the New Hampshire State Police, and the Woodstock, New Hampshire Police were looking for a missing person. 26-year-old Trish Haynes was missing from the Grafton-Danbury area. The release was not specific about where or when Trish was last seen. It said only that she had been seen in the general area in late June or early July. Senior Assistant Attorney General Jeff Strelzen said, quote, I can tell you that a family member reported her missing. She hasn't been seen or heard from in some time. That's causing some concern. That's why law enforcement is involved. In fact, Trisha's family had not heard from her since May 16, 2018. They became very alarmed when her social security benefits checks were cut off, and yet Trish remained missing. They knew that she relied on these payments for her living expenses, and the people she was living with 
They were very evasive when the family questioned where Trish was. Finally, in early June, her family reported her missing to the Woodstock police. It would be months before they would know Trish's fate. And now, three years later, they're still waiting for justice for Trish. This is True Crime Garage, and this is the case of Trish Haynes. Trish Danielle Haynes was born in Stewart, Florida on July 22, 1992. She was the daughter of Toby Dale Duran and Megan Beth Haynes. Megan and Toby were teen parents, and look, it's not easy to raise a child, and at their young ages, and really where they were both at in their lives, they decided that the best home that they could provide and best living situation that they could provide for Trish would be to be raised by her maternal grandparents, Stephen and Sandra Tewksbury. The family lived in Florida and moved to North Carolina for a short time, and then moved to New Hampshire for a few years from when Trish was about 11 years old until early in Trish's high school years. Then they returned to the southern part of the country. Trish loved fashion and dressing up. She took pride in the outfits that she put together. Her favorite color was purple. And she loved anything leopard print. She listened to hip-hop music and loved pizza and Red Bull. She was also an animal lover and was very close with her family. According to them, Trish was a very loyal friend, sometimes to her own detriment. Trish was known by her friends and family as loving, caring, and trusting. Trish's aunt, Valerie Haynes Alvarez, who has become an outspoken advocate for Trish's case, and whom my friend and helper Jess spoke with at length in regards to this case, Valerie was also very close with Trish and was even present when she was born. She described Trish to a reporter as, quote, a sweet girl who was a little misguided. She was always looking for love in the wrong places and finding it, Valerie said. And according to Valerie, Trish found herself in one bad relationship after another. Unfortunately, Trish suffered two very serious concussions when she was a kid from two separate incidents, one of which involved her getting hit in the head with a baseball bat in a completely separate situation. Trish was also diagnosed with PTSD. This came to be possibly from her being assaulted by a male friend of her mother's. As a result, she received disability checks and relied on these checks for her living expenses. So being raised by her grandparents, Trish was very, very close with her grandmother, Sandy Tewksbury. There are many pictures of the two of them online, smiling and hugging each other. But Trish left her grandparents' home in Florida in 2016, this at the age of 22, to move to New Hampshire to live with her boyfriend, Chris Hughes, in North Woodstock. The two of them met while they were both living in Florida, but now in our timeline, Captain, the two are living in New Hampshire. They both had jobs at a popular restaurant called The Landmark, and the owners, being the nice people that they are, allowed the two of them to live in an apartment in the restaurant building. But Trish knew very few people in that area, so she did not have a large support network. And the relationship, well, it went south rather quickly. Chris had served some time in prison, and according to the family, Trish told them Chris was abusive and the relationship was volatile and at times even violent. There are several stories of varying types of abuse from this relationship, one where Chris pulled a knife on her, and once when Chris falsely thought that Trish had cheated on him, he made her shave her head. The restaurant owners, Andres and Irene Childs, who loved Trish, told her to get away from Chris, but she didn't. Trish ended up being arrested for domestic violence. This is a charge that she pled guilty to and also obtained a restraining order against Chris. When she tried to press charges against him for domestic violence, he convinced her that that would mean that he would have to go back to prison. So she recanted her report and then was charged with filing a false police report. This whole thing really is just a big mess. But then in October 2017, Trish moved back to Florida. 
but she could not escape prosecution on the false reporting charges. And on December 16, 2017, she flew from Florida back to New Hampshire to deal with her legal proceedings. She stayed with a friend named Becky in North Woodstock for two weeks, but Becky lived on a remote farm with no cell service. And since Trish was always on her phone, like most young people and had nothing to do, this was not going to work for her. Yeah. But better than being in a situation where you're forced to shave your head. That is correct. So in the beginning of January, she asked Becky, her friend to drop her off in Canaan and was picked up by two people. This would be Ashley Smith and her husband, Douglas Smith Jr. They lived in Grafton, New Hampshire. Trish and Ashley were classmates during the years when Trish lived in New Hampshire in her early years. According to Trish's family, back in grade school, Ashley was the mean girl who kind of bullied Trish. And Trish's family did not approve of Ashley or her family. But the two ended up connecting on Facebook now that Trish was back in New Hampshire. And Trish, well, as we said, Captain, she needed somewhere to stay. And she was only looking to be there temporarily because she has to go to these court proceedings and get this part of her life over with and move on. So like you were saying, it seems like Trish was only planning to stay with them for a short period, but her trial date ends up getting pushed back. That's correct, Captain. And this situation where she's going to be moving into, and again, just staying for a short time, the home, the Smith's home is located at 225 Main Street. And the general plan was that she was going to live there for about two weeks or so. And that would make sense because she's moving in with friend, with her friend Ashley, who was there with her husband and their five children. So we're already at seven people in this house. Trish is going to make eight, but that two weeks turned out to be longer than that. As you said, this is in part because that court date got pushed from January to April. So she would have to wait it out at Ashley and Doug's place. From this point on, Trish's family said that communication with her was spotty and unpredictable. She told them that in early February, her cell phone was lost or was broken so they could only reach her via Ashley's phone. This was very strange, at least the family thought. Conversations were few and far between and always relied on Ashley's cooperation. They're going to have to go through Ashley's phone to talk to Trish. She always seemed to be nearby, Ashley did, whenever they got Trish on the phone. The excuse was that they had no cell service at the Smith's home and they had to be in town to get actual reception. Right. And Trish was not very communicative during these conversations, often cutting them short and waffling about what she was up to. Well, and we know that she has a tendency to be able to be manipulated, so you wonder if she's being manipulated by Ashley. Exactly, or held down in some form or being... Abused uh, or... Correct. And because she had no phone... Trish stopped posting on social media as well. This would be something that she would normally do very frequently. So this made it even more difficult for her family to keep regular communication with Trish and not really to be able to keep easy tabs on her at all. Again, also in a lot of abusive situations, it's divide and conquer, divide the individual from friends and family. Time passed, the family assumed that Trish had gone to her court date in April and then served the seven-day sentence her lawyer had prepared her for. But then Trish's grandmother thought she would have heard from her, you know, after this seven-day sentence, as Trish was supposed to return to Florida after this is all over with. But she didn't hear from Trish, and she couldn't get a hold of Trish. She couldn't get her on the phone, even when she had a heart attack and was hospitalized at the end of April. Still couldn't get any communication with Trish. Wait, who had the heart attack? Trish's grandmother, who okay. she was extremely close with and who raised her. So finally, her grandmother, Sandy, did manage to get a hold of Trish, this again via Ashley's phone. But this was only for a very brief conversation. From what I've been told, Captain, the last time anyone in Trish's family spoke with her was May 16th, 2018. So, all right, everyone make a mental note here. 
May 16th, 2018. Over the next month and a half, so roughly over the next six weeks or so, Trish's mother and grandmother tried repeatedly to get Trish on Ashley's phone, but they were told that she wasn't around or that Trish was too busy to take their call. Ashley and her mother, Wendy Place, consistently told Trish's grandmother that Trish had left and moved out and was living in Vermont with a new boyfriend that nobody had ever heard of. Mm. But Trish was safe, and she no longer wanted to have any contact with her family. I know you mentioned this before, but she's receiving checks for her disability. What were the amount of those checks? I do not know the amount of these checks, but I know that it would have been enough for her to basically think about it as like a monthly stipend to right. to live and to eat and to survive. You know, so it would have been enough for her to rent a place to stay and enough to, to get her by from month to month. And I'm guessing these checks are going to Ashley's house where Trish was staying. That is my understanding. So Ashley is telling Trish's family that Trish had a new boyfriend mm-hmm. and that she lives with him now and that Trish really no longer wants to speak with her family. Doesn't want to speak with them, moved out of state to Vermont. Mm-hmm. And then Ashley takes it a step further and says, hey, Trish even said that she hates y'all. So this is very unusual. And her family, frankly, didn't really buy it. But since there was no way to reach or get a hold of Trish, they kind of just had to roll with it. Right. The other weird thing here is that Trish's family, they didn't know Ashley's married name or the address where Ashley and her husband lived. So they had very little information about these people at all. Yeah. So trying to track down Trish, her family got in touch with Chris. They're actually reaching out to the ex-boyfriend, the abusive ex-boyfriend, thinking maybe Trish got back with Chris and she was just too embarrassed to tell her family. Yeah, I wonder how that conversation went. Ring, ring, ring. Hey, shitbag, is our daughter there? Well, look, he might, Chris might have like a Grinch sized heart, the small heart, but he has some heart because he at least says he's up front with them and says, I've not heard from her. And now I'm hearing from you guys that you can't locate her. Now I'm concerned as well. How can I help? Right. So in fact, he even posted on Trisha's Facebook page on her wall at one point, where are you? You know, so now everybody's looking for Trish. Well, Maybe not Ashley and Doug. I at least give him credit for doing that. In late May, Valerie, again, this is Trisha's aunt, called the Plymouth District Court. And this is very concerning. This is when the family goes, okay, major red flags here. Valerie discovered that Trish never showed up for her court date in April. Again, that's the whole purpose of her being in the state of New Hampshire to begin with. This, of course, is very bad news. Her family was now left wondering if Trish was possibly on the run from the law. So Trish's grandmother finally got Ashley on the phone and told her that, look, if Trish didn't call them and tell them in her own voice that she was okay and was deliberately cutting herself off from the family, when they, well, they were going to file a missing persons report with the authorities. Mm-hmm. With the police. Ashley told them not to do that or they would never see Trish again. She refused to answer any more questions, texting that she just got out of a psych ward and couldn't deal with any of this. And as everyone can guess, Trish never called. So following through Trish's family called Lieutenant Myler of the North Woodstock police to report Trish missing in the first week of July, 2018, Lieutenant Mylar was the one dealing with Trish's court case. So they were at least familiar with Trish and the family somewhat. Authorities had the idea to put a halt to Trish's social security benefits in an attempt to flush her out. Remember Trish depended on these disability payments when cutting off her income failed to make Trish reappear, so to speak, That is when it became very clear to all 
that something was very wrong. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need to pack a lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. 
Head to factormeals.com slash true crime garage 50 and use code true crime garage five zero to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code true crime garage 50 at factormeals.com slash true crime garage five zero to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers, mates. Cheers to you, Colonel, a.k.a. the GOAT. That is the captain there doing his best Post Malone on the vocals. Mm-hmm. Kudos to you, my friend. <laughs> Tall cans in the air. That is definitely not me. So let's keep in mind, at this point in our timeline, Trish is missing. And it's her family that discovers that something weird is going on. They bring this to the local authorities because her family is not local. Well, like you said, not only is she missing from her family, but this Ashley person that she was staying with is saying she doesn't want anything to do with you. And and we're not going to tell you where she's at. We're not going to give you any way to communicate with her. And then she misses this court appearance, which would give her a at least a bench warrant. Mm-hmm. and But then the authorities, like you said, I think this is a great idea, cut off her money because then she has to make contact with somebody. Correct. She would have no way of really surviving financially unless she was able to latch on to somebody else or be dependent of someone else at this point. So I'm guessing that the family would still be hopeful at this point. The police just now catching this case are going to be looking for this young woman. The police themselves were able to find some witnesses who said that they saw Trish at the 225 Main Street address in Grafton. Again, this is the home of Ashley and Doug Smith, and there are five children. But that was in the spring, and no one had seen her since mid-May. One woman who said she met Trish at the house in the spring of 2018 Her name is Faith Partridge. She said that Trish was unkempt and unable to make eye contact, saying, quote, she did not talk to me. She always looked at the floor. Other witnesses that the family has been contacted by since Trish's case went public have told them some very disturbing things. There was another couple living with Doug and Ashley Smith at the same time as Trish. How many people are living there? Right. It's like 15 people. This is Travis and Sarah Coulter and their two children. It's like the Brady Bunch times two. Yeah, so you would have five adults and seven children living in this home all at the same time. Mm. And look, I understand that people have to make uncomfortable arrangements or arrangements at some times in their lives that are not the most ideal, but I always thought that it's just a weird setup when I see multiple adults living with a bunch of kids it i've always just it's always been kind of weird to me do you mean it's like a little pedo fills no 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 no. i don't mean that at all i mean it's just look i'm someone that that likes little kids and i can handle being around them for small doses Mm, five minutes right so a a person saying yeah i'll i'll rent a room for you from you for 200 bucks a, a month oh but i have to live with your five children That always seems either a little desperate or a little weird to me. Right. According to what the Haynes family has been told, Trish was basically enslaved by at least the Smiths, maybe all four of these adults, taking care of their children, cleaning the house, and suffering all kinds of abuses like beatings and strange accusations. Doug Smith is rumored to be a major drug dealer. And the people he and Ashley were hanging around were not of the savory type. It seems Trish got caught up in this. And because she needed somewhere to live and also wanted to be loved and needed, she became dependent on the Smiths. But Ashley was manipulative and vengeful and would accuse Trish of trying to steal Doug away from her and would tell others that Trish was sleeping with their men, with the two men in the house. Hmm. It seems like Ashley was the one initiating some of the beatings and the abuses that were dealt to Trish. 
people. I mean, let's face it. Nobody wants to sleep with Doug. <laughs> you know, other than Ashley, apparently nobody. People who saw Ashley didn't even want to sleep with Doug. People who saw Trish at this time, well, those who were willing to talk anyway, say she was clearly being abused, mistreated, and victimized. There is talk of her being beaten and emotionally exploited. Faith Partridge, remember we mentioned her before, she's the woman who saw Trish and said she looked disheveled. So now we have the Brady Bunch and the Partridge family. Okay. This is a, a witness says that her husband was at the Smith's home buying car parts, and he said that he saw Doug Smith backhand Trish. After they learned that Trish was missing... What the fuck? The Partridges went to the authorities and told them, hey, this is something that we saw. Another woman named Kalo Fife, who was involved with Ashley Smith's brother Byron at one point, told Trish's family that she witnessed the Smiths mistreating Trish, and she said the Smiths and their extended family were very, very bad people. Well, after Doug backhanded her and then the Partridge family caused the police, is there ever a report? Yes, they filed a report of this, but it was after Trish went missing. Okay. Another woman named Beverly told the family that Ashley and Doug abused Trish, and they were taking her Social Security money and that they pimped her out to various men to, quote, earn her keep. These people seem like they need to be set on fire, and then we'll try to put them out with gallons of gasoline. Well, the reason the Attorney General made the announcement on August 28, 2018, that they were looking for Trish, the one that we read in today's trailer, well, that was because on that same day, several law enforcement agencies began conducting some very public searches for the missing young woman. These were not just the outdoor grid searches using volunteers that we've seen in so many other cases. These were targeted search warrant driven official searches of specific locations where authorities had reason to believe Trish might be. Here's an excerpt from a news report that says, quote, Grafton authorities spent the day on Tuesday searching a residential property for signs of a 26 year old woman who has been missing for about two months. Trish Haynes, who is five feet, six inches tall and weighs 110 pounds, has brown hair and brown eyes. New Hampshire State Police Major Crimes Unit officials focused their efforts on a home at 225 Main Street and the land surrounding it. The property is owned by Douglas Carpenter. While he is the owner of this parcel, which is valued at about $190,000 according to property records, Carpenter's primary residence is listed as South Thompson, Maine. Attempts to reach him were unsuccessful. Police deferred comment on whether anyone has been living at the property. The house sits on 9.5 acres of land and has several outbuildings. Okay. So this house that police are searching, the 225 Main Street, is owned by Doug Carpenter, who lives in Maine. This was the house where Trish was staying with her so-called friend, Ashley Smith, and Ashley's husband, Doug, and all those kids. The Smiths rented the house from this Doug Carpenter. The search of this home went on for several days. And we now know that the police also searched two other properties that same week. One was located at 608 Wild Meadow Road, and one was located at 91 French Hill Road, both in Grafton. Population of Grafton, 1,400 people approximately, by the way. And all three properties were connected in some way to Ashley and Doug Smith. Per WMUR News, Ashley Smith recently stayed in each one of those locations. That's why they're searching all three of those properties and houses. So what is the Smith family's response to all of this? Trish goes missing. They're not looking so great. Well, Ashley Smith told WMUR News, quote, I woke up to a knock on the door, Smith said. 
I was all excited about my kid's first day of school, getting them ready, and a bunch of officers just showed up. She spoke with the reporter about Trish, whom she called her best friend. And when she last saw her or heard from her, quote, it's been a while, Smith said. I'd have to say at least probably July or so, June. I'm not good with dates. Does she like to abuse all of her best friends? Ashley told WMUR that she couldn't understand why investigators were questioning her, adding, hopefully Trish will see this and she'll come out and show the public that she's fine. The reporter asked, are you worried about her? And she said, I'm worried sick about her. The reporter asked her, are you worried about her? And she said, I'm worried sick about her. Do you find that to be a a weird statement? No, I think she's just, Bullshitting. I, I think she's just reacting and saying what she would expect to hear or see someone say on TV if they right. were asked the same question. Yeah. Now, we don't have really any information here, Captain, about what the police were looking for. Of course, they're looking for Trish and probably some of her belongings, but no specifics other than what our guesses would be as to what they were looking for at these three locations. Now, if anything was collected... Or if anything of Trish's belongings were found on either of these premises or all or so on, there's just no public information in that regard. Now, this puts us to September 2018 in our timeline. This is when the media reported that something was found. In fact, some large items were being removed from Grant's Pond off of Wild Meadow Road in Grafton. Remember, we've heard that street name before. This is 0.3 miles. 0.3 miles from the structure at 308 Wild Meadow Road at that search location. Mm -hmm. So not very far. Now, members of the public said that they saw what looked like an old stackable washer and dryer being pulled out of that pond. Now, unfortunately, inside that washer and dryer, in fact, inside the washer, body parts were found. Interestingly enough, that Grant's pond was searched because of a tip that police received from Sarah Coulter, the woman who was living at the Smith's house with her husband and two kids. Right. None of this was revealed by law enforcement at that time, nor was it addressed that Trisha's grandmother, Sandy, was asked to fly to New Hampshire to provide a DNA sample to help identify the remains that were found in the washing machine. So that brings us to an autopsy, Captain. Old Fami Malik time. This was conducted by New Hampshire Chief Medical Examiner, Dr. Jeannie Duvall. Using DNA, the remains were affirmatively identified as Trish. Dr. Duvall was also able to determine that the manner of death was homicide. The autopsy was finalized in 2019 and estimated that Trish had died around May 18, 2018. So died around that date. Remember, she actually had some contact with her family right around that same time. But that's when they lost contact with her. Correct. It's sad. It's not really clear, Captain, to me how they fixed the date of death to that time of May 18, 2018. My guess would be because you're you're finding some remains and not the body itself, it would be difficult to put a date on it Mm -hmm. and really a date as specific as that or even around that specific time. My mind goes to perhaps the Sarah Coulter tip told police either exactly or about when the washer slash dryer was removed from the home and dumped. Or possibly also last time she saw Trish. That could be. Or it could be the fact that two men camping in the area later said that they witnessed someone dumping something large in Grant's Pond. And maybe they remembered the date or about the date when that was that they witnessed that. It's crazy. The finding of the remains in the autopsy were all kept tightly under wraps. As far as the New Hampshire authorities would discuss the case, 
they were still saying Trish was a missing person for a while. Her obituary was not published until the second half of 2019. Although family was informed by the attorney general's office in late 2018 that the remains found in the pond were Trish. Here is what Valerie later posted on the Facebook page that is dedicated to Trish Haynes. This is quote, her grandmother and I were sworn to secrecy in September, 2018 when they knew Trish was dead, but we could not tell anyone else that she was dead. Not even family members who continued to ask if we had heard anything. And supposedly she was a missing persons case. It was not until July of 2019 that we were forced to force the hand of the AG when we went to a TV station to complain about the lack of action on the case. And lo and behold, that very evening, before my interview was to air, the AG's office made a statement that went public first, admitting it was a murder investigation, end quote. What was happening was eventually the rest of the family became impatient with the stagnant, quote, missing persons investigation about Trish. Mm-hmm. And Valerie and Sandy, the aunt and the grandmother, were unimpressed with the fact that the murder was kept under wraps and the investigation seemed to really be going nowhere by that point. We're talking about months and months and months since the time that they're told, we found the remains of your loved one and we've confirmed that it was a homicide. But we're still going to pretend for the sake of our investigation, that she's a missing person. So they pressed the AG's office when they gave an interview to WMUR news that we've spoke about several times already. So what happens here is WMR goes to the AG's office and says, Hey, we've, we received this information from Trisha's family. That gives the attorney general's office the opportunity to put out that news release stating that, We've been looking for this person. We've been looking for Trish Haynes. Right. So their official news release stated the following. This comes from the New Hampshire Department of Justice, which says Miss Haynes was reported missing last year. She was last seen in the Grafton Danbury, New Hampshire area in May slash June 2018. Since then, authorities have been investigating the circumstances of her disappearance During the course of the investigation, human remains were discovered in Grafton, New Hampshire. Those remains were identified as the deceased as Trish Haynes. Dr. Duvall has also determined that Miss Haynes was the victim of a homicide. The circumstances that led to Mrs. Haynes' death are still being actively investigated. So Trish Haynes, in 2018, she decides to move in with the Smiths for a couple weeks Mm -hmm. because she has a trial that she has to appear at that gets pushed back to April, possibly pushed back again. But it seems like around May is when her family loses all contact with her. But before that we have months and months of suspicious activity Mm -hmm. where they're trying to get a hold of Trish and they can really only talk to Ashley. Yes. Or Trish through Ashley. Right. And as you said, communication was already difficult enough. And then it seems to drop off completely around that court date time period. And they speak with her one last time. And then later we're told that the medical examiner believes that the death, that the homicide took place in mid to late May of that year which again would be right around that same time period when the communication dropped off completely. Right. Remember we have Ashley now telling Trisha's family, look, she moved to Vermont with some other dude. Uh, we don't know really much about it, but she said she doesn't want to talk to you anymore. Mm -hmm. She hates you. She hates you. Yeah. So leave us alone because we don't know where she went. 100%. We can't help you out here. Show's over. There's nothing to see. And on top of that, Now we're getting all these people coming forward towards the family and saying, look, we we witnessed uh, abuse happening at the Smith's family house. Yeah. While she was still missing before the remains were found, we had some of those witnesses going to the police because they're like, oh, wait, this 
we th- we were concerned about this situation before, but sometimes you let you sometimes you try to stay out of people's business a little bit. And then when you hear that this woman has gone missing, they did the right thing and they went to police and say, "Hey, look, this is something we witnessed." Well, and there's some like you said, huge red flags. You got Doug Smith, aka Doug Dingleberry, is reported to backhander in front of other people. Mm-hmm. I mean, so 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 now, as far as abusers, you know, it seems to me that Ashley is an abuser, and Doug is an abuser as well. And now we have the other couple that was living there coming and, and having their own statements or, or at least cooperative with police. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a very weird and strange situation, but I also want to kind of underline this too. a couple of things. In fact, one from what I've seen, what I've experienced when it comes to the cases that we've covered here in the garage, we talk about this situation of Doug backhanding Trish in front of outsiders, right? People that don't live there. Usually when there's signs of abuse like that in front of others, there's much more going on behind the scenes. Worse stuff. Yeah. And a lot more of it. And so that's of great concern, number one. But then factor this in. Go back to the family, to Trisha's family, who are actively looking for her when she was still missing. And then who knows if police, think about that for a second. Two family members were told that she was actually murdered and we found her remains, some of her remains. It's my belief, Captain, there's a chance they were only told that because one of them had to submit their DNA so they could test the remains to see if it was, in fact, Trish. Right. Then they swore those two to secrecy. I, in part, wonder if they didn't need the DNA to identify Trish, if they were able to identify her on their own. Is there a chance they wouldn't have told the family? They were still behaving as this would be a missing persons case as far as the public was concerned, so much so that they told grandma and the aunt, don't tell anybody else in the family that we found her remains. Don't tell them that it was a homicide. Can you imagine your family members, even extended family, coming to you and asking you what happened to one of your family members and you you have to lie to them or say, I haven't heard anything for months, for month after month after month. You're hurting at all kinds of emotional levels, and you're not even able to tell these people what happened to have them comfort you or to to talk about it together. You're you're almost you're forced to lie to them. Yeah, well, I'm looking at this right now, and just you think about the witness that sees Doug backhand her, and he he hesitates. He doesn't. You have to react quickly because this is what can happen. You have to speak up when you see abuse. If not, you're just as bad as the abuser because well, you're you're giving you're giving them more opportunity. And like you said, if this is happening in front of people in the public, imagine the torture that is happening. Right. You know, let's let's not sugarcoat it. Let's not even call it abuse. This is torture. Well, and I want to be fair to to those individuals. They did come forward. They did tell the authorities about that. And we do not know the specifics, the details of that situation. That man could have very likely stepped in and said, hey, don't do that again, Doug. Yeah, don't do that again. And or, he or, I mean, or he could have pulled her off, pulled him off of her. We, we don't know. I right, mean, right. We don't know for sure. But. If he went to police and they didn't act on it, then it's like, you know, I'm just saying when you see something, say something. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why they were searching those properties because they are police are immediately suspicious of the Smiths once they've been able to confirm a couple things. One, Trish was in fact living there. There is that report that came in once she was publicly announced to be missing of that couple coming forward and saying, Hey, we witnessed some form of abuse. And that's why they were searching not only the Smith's place that they were staying at the time when Trish went missing, but also these other two properties. Because I think when they hear and get this legitimate, look, 
the person that comes forward has no dog in the fight. So you believe them. You believe that they're saying, well, I witnessed some abuse. Right. You're going, all right, well, if they were abusing her or if, or Doug or just one of them was abusing her, they may have done something horrible to this woman. This is before you even know she's dead. May have done something horrible to her and they're hiding and concealing the body somewhere. And so let's search every property that we can tie the Smiths to. Now, after that press release where the police and the attorney general finally admit that it was a homicide and that they found remains, the Valley News pressed assistant attorney general Jeff Strelzen about this case. And Strelzen said there wasn't much he could add publicly. He declined to say whether authorities had identified any suspects in Haynes's death, saying, quote, we don't typically name suspects. That's all I'm going to say at this point. And quote, but as we know, Captain, there were suspects and currently there still are suspects. Currently in 2021, there are still suspects in several of them. Trish Haynes was last seen in May of 2018. She was reported missing. There were crime scenes that were identified, remains that were found in September of 2018. Again, some of the family ordered not to share with other family members the findings. And throughout 2019, where we left off in our timeline, there's no arrests made. There's no new leads doesn't appear to be any new evidence. Why? What are they doing with this investigation? This murder remains unsolved. The killer or killers have not been held accountable. And as you pointed out, Captain, this is abuse. This is torture. If these people killed Trish Haynes, I guarantee you the last days for her were torture. So much more to get to stick around till tomorrow. But if you need more True Crime Garage in your life, why aren't you signed up? Why aren't you subscribing to the best show in the world called Off the Record? Only on Stitcher Premium. And you can find a link on our website at truecrimegarage.com. So until tomorrow. Be good, be kind, and don't litter. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.